and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is David Knight, uh, an English organist uh, who was educated at the University of London and the Royal Academy of Music in London. He has held posts uh, as director of music at an English secondary school and a college of higher education. During this time, he also had posts as accompanist and conductor of a selection of choirs. He has been a church organist for over 40 years, not only for the Church of England, but also for the Church of Norway. He lived near Kristiansund on the west coast of Norway for four years. He taught at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama for seven years and was an examiner for the Royal Schools of Music. He has performed in cathedrals in England, Ireland, Norway and Hong Kong. At present, he is musical director of the West Somerset Singers in Toton, the Watchet Choral Society and the Apollo Wind Band of Bristol. He is also the organist and choir master of Holy Trinity Church in Taunton. We have recorded this conversation after David's uh, recital at Vilnius University St. John's Church. So you will hear his experience in playing the largest pipe organ in Lithuania. Also, David uh, will talk about uh, his experience in playing multiple different organs in his lifetime. And most importantly, about English organ culture. Because when he travels abroad, he becomes sort of an ambassador of English organ culture, playing uh, English organ music of uh, various historical periods. Let's go to the show. So, David, wonderful to see you again in this church after your splendid concerts two nights ago. Uh, uh, it was such a fantastic evening to hear English music so rarely performed on this, um, let's say, German-style organ. Um, and uh, I hope in this conversation we'll talk about your experiences with these instruments and other instruments, about your life story, about your, um, basically, uh, experiences as an organist, how you adapt to the other organs. And, of course, you, I know you are a great choir director and conductor of various bands, so this will uh, fit nicely in this conversation. I hope uh, people around the world will feel inspired by your ideas. Yes. So thank you for your generosity and time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Vidas. It is great to be here and I enjoyed playing on this wonderful organ two days ago. It is a great privilege to be able to play here um, on a, a very unusual instrument and I have never played one quite like that before um, with 64 stops and all tracker and no um, aids for registration. Right. So it is quite hard work to play. It. Exactly. Luckily you had your wife, uh, Kate, yes, Kate. Uh, who, uh, who um, turned pages for you yeah. and, and registered. Yes. Um, she was a great assistant, right, for yes. um, pulling the stops. Without her help, uh, playing this organ by yourself would have been much more yes. difficult, yes. right? Yes. And uh, um, was it difficult to depress the, the keys for you? Yes, um, it is quite heavy action, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the church I play in England, um, Holy Trinity, 
in Taunton has a tracker action with 39 stops, three manuals, um, from 1893. Um, it was made by William Hill, mm-hmm. a well-known English organ builder, right. and it was completely renovated three years ago. So it is back to new condition. Um, and it is quite heavy action when you couple the manuals together. Um, it is quite heavy. Not quite as heavy as this one, but still quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, th- the other differences are there are pedals on Holy Trinity Taunton, which gives you various combinations on the great and on the swell, which make life a little bit easier. Um, but still, you need lots of manual registration changes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I found strange about St. John's in Vilnius is that the couplers are operated by the feet, mm-hmm. whereas on English organs they are always with the, with the hands, like they are like ordinary stops. Mm-hmm. That is quite t- tricky to, to follow. Yes. Right. But um, also, I, my legs, I am not very tall, and the couplers... The, 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 pen, the couples on the far side I cannot reach very well so yes. and of course the assistant in, in this case uh, case your wife Kate uh, not, is not, isn't able all, always to pull those um, couplers no, no. by herself no. because she's busy with yes. her hands right yes. um, you know, so uh, David uh, you know, this room did you like the acoustics yes this room? It, uh, some years ago in London I played at a church where the the echo was seven seconds, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and so I was I am used to playing with a very big echo sound, um, but it, it to begin with it takes a little bit of getting used to, and you think yes that's how I work with that sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the organ in in London I played was um, pneumatic action, so it was not such heavy work as as here in um, in, in Vilnius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And I know you traveled to Vilnius for, for just for fun, right? For yes, oh yes. And um, you contacted me uh, uh, quite uh, quite um, um, by accident, right? Uh, I was surprised to hear from you that uh, this wonderful organist will be in Vilnius, and of course we arranged the concert for you. And. Um, uh, What did you already see in, in, in Vilnius? Was, was your weekend full of surprises in Vilnius? Yes. Well, Saturday I spent in practicing here right. and giving my concert. Um, I did not much else but, but sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Sunday um, I went to Mass in the cathedral and that was uh, uh, interesting, yeah. Very so I can follow in Lithuanian the service. Mm-hmm. I could follow exactly, which is exactly the same pattern of service mm-hmm. as in Holy Trinity Taunton. Um, but the piece comes in in Vilnius. The piece comes before the Agnus, whereas in um, in England the piece comes before the Offertory. So, but otherwise it is exactly mm-hmm. the same. Um, And the liturgy was sung in Latin, mm-hmm. so I can understand that, but I do not understand the Lithuanian. Right. And the sermon, I did not understand. And what about the music? Was, what kind of music was performed? Very, some I knew, when I went into the cathedral, it was an English tune by um, an English composer called Patrick Appleford, mm-hmm. which we sing in England, and I recognized it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was some another piece sung by Handel, which I knew very well, but the other music was not familiar. Um, and it's in England, where I play in Holy Trinity Taunton, the organ is in the West Gallery, where it is in the, in the cathedral. And so you sit where the sound comes over your head. Mm. Um, so in some ways it was very familiar. But there were lots more people. Um, in Holy Trinity Taunton, our mass is at 10 o'clock, and we will have 60 people. Mm-hmm. Whereas there, in the cathedral, there were... Hundreds. Oh, hundreds, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so, it is, yeah. so, yeah, Lithuanians are eighty percent Catholics. Yes, um, not particularly to religious folk, no. but uh, but on Sundays, yes, they yes. They, they do come to the church, especially to the cathedral. Yes. If you go, if you go to other places in town. Um, there will still be many people, yes. uh, but at the cathedral are perhaps yes. many more, right? Yes. Um, on weekdays we have masses too, but um, of course they are less well attended. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in in England there is a mass every day, but that is said there is no music. Mm-hmm. Um, in England the congregation sings from a hymn book so they will sing the hymns as well as the choir mm-hmm. whereas the choir will sing the, the liturgy the Gloria and the um, Sanctus mm-hmm. um, and they will sing an anthem as well but the, the congregation has the hymn book and will join in the hymns mm-hmm. and they have a book with the words in that they have to say whereas in the cathedral here in Vilnius they, they all knew no but they knew what the words were so mm-hmm. yeah yeah Right, the English tradition is quite quite um, um, uh, associated with singing too and congregational yes. singing yes. Uh, for a long time, for centuries. And in Lithuania, it wasn't very common to sing together with no. the choir actually. And well. uh, the choir is uh, basically made the leading role in, of music making. Yes. Uh, Yes, in the service. Yes, it started in England with the Methodists, who are nonconformists. They, in the 18th century, the Methodists would sing; everybody would sing. Mm-hmm. And in the early 19th century, the Church of England started to, where the, the congregation began to join in. And the first Church of England hymn book is about 1850. And so that's when the Church of England, the congregation, begin to sing. So and now they sing all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's it's quite healthy for the congregation to to join in singing, and, yeah. um, because the hymns, uh, whoever sings well prays twice, yes. right? Yes. Saint Augustine said. Yes, and that makes sense, right? Yes. Because the words are reinforced by, by melody and uh, your prayer is much more stronger. Yes. Yeah, great. Um, so, so interesting, um, uh, interesting experiences in Lithuania so far. So, uh, I, I know you're planning to stay and then uh, after, after this week you go, you're going to Latvia, to right? Latvia, to Riga. To Riga. Um, and in Riga, I, am, I have been to Riga before and um, Two years ago, I was, and that there is a Church of England church in Riga, St. Saviour's, and I played the organ there two years ago, and I'm giving a concert next week in St. Saviour's Church, Riga. So Wonderful. Yeah, Wonderful. Um, and it has a, a much smaller two-manual organ. Yeah. So, but, uh, 
sort of organ tourism, right? Yes, organ tourism, yes. yes. But it's, it's when, nice I, when I go on holiday, I like to see what organs are in the places exactly, I go to. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Some people like to go to other places and lie on the beach, right? Yeah. Or, um, or, or go to tourist attraction areas, uh, see beautiful scenery, yeah. landscape, um, natural wonders. But organists have this privilege to travel different yes. churches, right? Yes. And try out many different organs. Yes. So it's great that you contacted me and, and uh, organist probably in, in Riga yes. too. And uh, that's how connections are made, yes. right? And uh, I think people around the world can also uh, be inspired by what you did. And uh, if whenever they travel, they can uh, contact in advance, right? The yes. organists uh, get to know each other yes. and see if if uh, there will be any possibility, not uh, not uh, not not necessarily to play the concert, but no, 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 at but least the, to try it out. But and organs are so different. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go in the world, there are organs, and they are never the same. Um, I have a good friend in Taunton at another church, and they have. Um, an organ, pneumatic action, many registration aids, and it's very easy to play, but just a little bit boring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not so exciting playing an organ when, 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 you, when you have lots of stops to change, then you, you just you keep the brain working and it is interesting. Yeah. The more organs you try, David, right, uh, the more um, uh, experienced you become, right? Yes. And the, the better you adapt, the faster you adapt, yes. probably. Yes. The less time you require to prepare. I was actually um, a little bit um, um, nervous uh, knowing that, uh, <laughs> that your rehearsal will only be on Saturday morning. Yes. And then... Uh, a few uh, and an hour and a half be before the, yes. the concert to that same afternoon basically two rehearsals at the same day it's not that bad but but still for this kind of instrument yes. people do need time but I, at the same time knowing that you're experienced organist with 40 plus years of, of yes. playing experience yeah. right yeah and different organs and different countries yes. uh, yeah. i know i knew that uh, It'll be all right. Yes. yes. I, have, I lived in Norway for four years, mm -hmm. and I worked for the, the Church of Norway. Um, and, again, that is a Lutheran church, but every church has an organ, normally in the West Gallery, and mostly tracker action, um, but sometimes they have registration age, but they, they are different. Um, and the systems for registration are quite different, and it, that can take time to get used to. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, if you press a, um, a, a combination piston, um, you expect it to change, but in Norway sometimes you would only add stops on, not take off ones that you had off from a previous stop. So you needed to, you know, the brain needed to work out what you were going to do. Um, and there were various um, organs in Norway. There was the Norwegian organ builders who built quite a lot in Norway, um, but there are German organs there as well, and I played one by a firm called Wildbrandt in one of my churches in Norway, and that was a, a 20 stops, all tracker, two manuals, very nice, very nice sound. Um, but organs are organs, so in some ways they're always the same, but they're always different wherever you go. Fantastic. Uh, I really encourage uh, people to travel the world and, yes. and as much as possible to try to 
get used to as many organs as, as they can, yeah. right? Well, some people um, are not too privileged to, to go to many countries, yeah. but at least they, they can travel their own country, right? Yeah, yeah. For example, you live in England, right? Yes. And you have thousands of organs there, thousands, right? Thousands, yes. And uh, it doesn't hurt traveling in England yeah. and, and uh, various other places of United Kingdom, you see, and... and uh, and those organs are different too, yes. in shapes and sizes yes. and, and styles yes. also. Yes. So big, big variety also plays a role, and you can you can get a good grasp of that. Yes, and you see, I played at one organ in, in um, England, uh, built by the firm of Kleiss mm -hmm. from a German firm, and that is very very sophisticated. Um, this was in the Church St Lawrence Jewry in London. Um, and it had four manuals, but there is a, the organ has a computer, and it listens to you play, and when you come to one point in the piece, it will change this registration for you. So you do not worry about the registration change, the, the organ does it for you. So in some ways it is very easy to play. Um, but uh, yeah, it is a very expensive organ, mm -hmm. several million pounds. Uh, so uh, that is the... Whereas in some places you have an organ, just one manual, four stops, everything is mechanical. And that is sometimes just as pleasurable to play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a very small church in England, and it will have a very small organ. Yeah. So last Saturday you played a wonderful concert, which I um, named Intrada, yes. uh, after one of the titles of one of the pieces, yes. right? By by composer from England John Ireland John Ireland, right yes. and uh, let's talk a little bit about your program how you came up with this concept and uh, why you started and ended it with the German pieces, right the uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's Preludium and Fugue in C minor C minor the, the, the famous one which starts with the pedal Pedals. solos 532 I believe yes. I'm not very good on right and then you finished with the books that would as G minor prelude, um, preludium 149. Uh, so I suspect that the idea behind this was to to uh, to showcase the style of this instrument, yes. but at the same time uh, to present your home home. Yes. Culture, right? Yes, I thought the organ is of German style, mm -hmm. and therefore, and the German organ music is known the world over. And Bach, and Baxter Hugo, wherever you go in the world, people know the, their organ music. So I thought that would sh that would be the beginning and the end of the concert. They would be the the, the buffers. Of the I know, end. yeah, wonderful. But I thought. People in Lithuania would not know English organ music. Mm -hmm. um, and most of what I played was um, 20th century organ music. I played Stanley, which is, who is, was an 18th century composer. Um, but apart, and that is well, sort of one style of English organ music. And um, I, I digress. In 18th century England, organs did not have pedals. Mm -hmm. So the... Um, the Stanley does not have a pedal part um, but the 20th century organ music um, showed some development from Elgar which was, who was a very romantic composer through to Walton where some of his harmonies are very astringent um, and quite edgy where you would get chords with 
lots of disc, uh, discords in as well. So it showed some sort of development of English music through the 20th century. Also, I wanted to present a variety of some loud and fast pieces with some very quiet ones. So um, I hoped I did that, yes. Uh, I think uh, that was a nice introduction to the English organ culture because uh, you started with 18th century Stanley, right? Yes. And then moved it through the 19th century pieces. Uh, uh, Elgar. Through Elgar. Elgar the very end of the 19th century. End, right? Yes. So what was the first composer... Uh, I noticed you wrote that English music was not very well known abroad, right, at the yes, time, yes. in the in 19th century. But towards the end of it, what was the first composer who got recognition abroad? Um, yes, uh, Germany mm-hmm. called England in the 19th century Das Land and Music, the land without music. But, but that was half a jo- of a joke. Oh, right? it was a half a joke, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, but... Um, It's German problem that yes, they didn't... Perhaps it was a German yes. There were English composers. Um, the most two well-known ones, one was called Sterndale Bennett, uh-huh. and one was Samuel Sebastian Wesley. Wesley, of yes. course. Um, but th- neither of them wrote very much organ music. And Wesley is church choral music. But uh, the first composer to become known abroad was Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, And he studied in Germany in the 1880s, and at the end of the 19th century, his music became known, not only in England, but also in, particularly in Germany, and also on the continent of Europe. So he was the first composer. You know what in, what's interesting, David? When I was studying music history in school, they yes. always told me that between Purcell Yeah. And Britain, uh, English didn't have, you know, well-known composers, oh. which is not true. Not true. Not true at yes. all. Yes. It's, a, mean, it's, it's a myth. Yes. After Stanford, there was another English composer called Parry, mm-hmm. who lived almost the same, exactly the same time as Stanford. And then we get Elgar, um, who was very popular in England, say, from 1900 to 1910. And then um, the composers in the First World War... There was Holst, in spite of his name, it was actually English, and Vaughan Williams, and they, they began composing about the year 1910. Holst died quite young, but his most famous piece is called The Planets. The Planets, right. Yes. Um, but Vaughan Williams lived till 1958, and so there are, he has nine symphonies and a whole lot of choral music. And then we get Britain, because Britain was born in 1913, and so he came to to public notice in, say, the 1930s, before the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there were lots of composers, as it were, became popular in the period, or grew up in the period between the two world wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the Second World War, there are dozens and dozens of composers, yeah. So Even though those composers lived in the first half of the 20th century, yeah. I, that the ones you played uh, starting with Elgar, for yeah. example, I noticed the similarity to the Romantic style, yes, right? Yes, he was very rem- Quite yes. conservative style. Yes. At the same time, for example, in France, Debussy was working, yeah. right? Yes, uh, Elgar, I think, is less advanced than Debussy right. in terms of harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of harmony, Elgar, I would have thought, was more like Vidor in terms of I just guess, his, yeah. the harmony he Conservative, used. right. Very conservative, yes. Traditional, yes. Or, or to say. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, his uh, ceremonial 
music and basically pomp and circumstances are very well known. Yes. And especially the one that is played for graduation ceremonies, yes. right? Which number is? The number one is number the most popular. But you played number two, right? I played number four. Mm -hmm. There are five altogether. Number one is the most popular, and the big tune in the middle has the word set to it in England of land of hope and glory. Mm -hmm. And at the promenade concerts, it is always played on the last night. The next most popular one is number four, four. which I played. And the big tune in the middle of that has words um, land of the free. Wow. So this is all very terribly British, yes. Um, so, and they are the two popular, but all of the five are quite quite popular. And he wrote them between 1900 and 1910, so yeah, when he was at sort of the, 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 the peak of his power in, in England. Um, Wonderful, because people, yes, they know this uh, pomp and cir circumstance number one, yes. but uh, what else is, is uh, among the output of this wonderful composer, Elgar, they don't know no. too much. The other, right? His other famous piece mm -hmm. is the Enigma Variations, Enigma, right. where there are 18 variations mm -hmm. on a tune, um, which there is still an enigma where he got it from, nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. And each variation represents one of his friends. Mm -hmm. um, and number seven variation is the organist at Hereford Cathedral, who had a dog and a bulldog. And wherever the organist went, the dog went. And so when the organist was practicing, the dog would sit by the organist. And the dog comes into this number seven variation. Yes, and he jumps in the river at the very end of it. So there are the friends of Elgar are portrayed in the, in the different variations. In How this. ingenious, right? Yes. Uh, the yeah. idea to portray his yeah. friends through music, right? Yes. yes. It's like an artist would, would draw a portrait, right? Or yes. a, a paint a portrait. Yes. Um, in this case, a composer would uh, write a musical piece, yes. a variation, uh, based on the, his, his his friends. Yes, and the, the characteristics, characteristics of his friends. friends. Yes. Wonderful, like like yes. homage to the French yes. yeah. friends. Wonderful. So English culture, of course, is quite musical. Nevertheless, we we, we seldom played in Lithuania. Well, it is seldom played anywhere on the, in Europe, apart from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Yes, I mean, when I worked in Norway, there were one or two English pieces, and the Norwegians have a hymn book, and they have quite a lot of English in right. tunes in their hymn book, with Norwegian translations of the words. So, uh, Well, you're right, the hymns uh, that originate from England are very well known worldwide yes. today, yes. and are sung across uh, the globe, not only in America, for example, no. which is understandable, uh, but in Lithuania, in no. some cases, too, right. yes. uh, the, the English tunes, uh, they are translated. Uh, the texts are translated yes. into Lithuanian and put into Lithuanian hymn, hymn books. Yes. So, so yes, you're yes. right. Yes. I mean, the first hymn I heard in the cathedral yesterday morning it was, was English. an English one mm -hmm. by the composer Patrick Appleford, mm -hmm. um, and which is very well known in England, and they were singing it as I walked into the cathedral. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, David, what's your impression about Lithuania so far? I'm most impressed. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know what it would be like at all. Um, and I think the old town, the buildings here are so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the university is area is, 
fantastic just to walk through and just to be in. It, it, is very, it reminds me of the way of Cambridge, uh-huh. um, where you will walk through the colleges and they are all very attractive and elegant. Academic, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yes. But, uh, yeah, but the, the traffic in Cambridge is much worse than it is in Vilnius. So well, it's, it's quiet and, first of all, it's summer. Yes. And everybody is out uh, on the beach, like yes. <laughs> either in Lithuania or in Turkey or yeah. in Egypt or in Greece or yeah. in... Um, um, other places, you know, yes. uh, and not too many Lithuanians came to your concert, which is understandable because the tourists, right. they uh, were tourists, tourists yes. yeah. mostly come come to the concerts right. during the summer, and yeah. Lithuanians are sort of uh, uh, tourists them, themselves yes. at the same time. Yes, yes, wonderful. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> it's interesting. This university was founded in uh, in in the early days of. Um, of, of late days of the Renaissance yes, uh, and uh, this, uh, yes. 15, 1547 yes. and uh, that's the date of its founding and it was an early uh, Jesuit academy first of yes. all and uh, to, to this day it's one of the oldest universities in Eastern Europe well, and in the whole of Europe? Eastern. Yeah. Oh, Eastern, in you, yeah. Eastern Europe. Of course, uh, English universities well, are Oxford and Cambridge much are older. older yeah. Yeah, but, but Eastern part of Europe um, only has Krakow University yes. in Poland, um, which is, they claim it is older, but they cannot find founding documents. <laughs> you see? Yes. And yes. Lithuanians have the documents. Yes, so, I see, right. That's very good. Yes. But the Krakow University yes. is, is thought to be uh, allegedly uh, yes. older, yeah. so wonderful, a uh, good, uh, good uh, academic uh, focus here in town. And Vilnius University is the best university in, in, in the country, and actually, it it has the potential and the vision to become um, one of the um, 400 uh, best universities yes, in the in world. The world. Yes. with the new rector. Yes. So um, we we are. Trying, trying. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Yes. Um, and I've eaten in Vilnius restaurants. And right. They were very good too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. So yeah. I, I hope you will see in, 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 in Riga a very different culture. Yes. Lutheran culture. A very Lutheran. Yes. Very Lutheran, German-inspired culture. Yes. Um, but they are Balts too. Our half, uh, oh, yes. brothers and sisters. Yes. yes. Their language is very similar to ours. We cannot really understand what no. they say, but some parts of it we yes. can. And yeah. the words have the same roots yes. in many, in many yes. respects. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, English people find English people always say all other languages are, diff- are difficult because everybody in the world speaks English. Um, but Lithuanian is very difficult for an English person to learn. Whereas when I was in Norway, Norwegian is much easier for an English person mm-hmm. to learn. It is not the very few inflections, um, and the word order is the same as English, so it is much easier to, for mm-hmm. an English person to learn. Well, Lithuanian and Latvian languages um, are the two branches, two languages of the uh, uh, of the Indo-European mm-hmm. uh, yes. language group, uh, with the roots in Sanskrit. Yes, it goes directly to Sanskrit, and there are some words in old Sanskrit words yeah. uh, language that are related to Lithuanian today. Right. Yes. Um, which is quite quite yes. interesting fact, knowing that thousands of years have passed 
after yeah. after this travel up north to humans. But, but it, being English, I mean, in my hotel this morning, there was a German tourist talking to the Lithuanian waiter in English. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. English is the first common language here, and, yes. and especially young people know that. Yes, that's why I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can you can normally communicate in English quite quite everywhere easily. in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So interesting trip. It's not over. You will see many things yes. in Lithuania. And your experience so fascinating traveling the world and uh, 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 playing the organs in various countries uh, in Norway you mentioned right yes. how did it, how did it, it, it all start David what was uh, the first uh, incident that uh, inspired you to fall in love with the organ well when I was seven years old my mother said to me you will learn the piano uh-huh. so I learned the piano But my family, my parents and I and my sisters, we went to church and I was interested to hear the organ playing in the church. So when I was 13, I asked to learn the organ. And so I started to learn the organ when I was 13. Um, and when I was 14, I won a scholarship to the, as a junior person to the Royal Academy of Music in London. So there I studied the piano and the organ. Uh, till I was 18 um, and so that's how I became a, a, an organ you know, that's how I got to love the organ um, and then I became an undergraduate at London University and while I was studying at London University I also had lessons on the piano and the organ from teachers at the Royal Academy of Music which is right in the centre of London um, and so I continued to have lessons on the organ And the, um, and the and the piano, but I also took lessons in conducting, um, and so I have a, 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 a diploma in choral conducting as well as organ playing, um, as, and as well as degrees in music. Um, and then when I uh, I went to work, I always, um, as well as I had taught in an English secondary school from 11, age 11 to age 18, the, the students. Um, But all the time, I worked as well as a church organist. So from when I graduated in 1970 till today, I have been working as a, as a church organist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did so, you have any other interest besides music uh, from age seven? <laughs> yes, I was very interested in uh, school. I was interested in quite a lot of subjects, right. uh, mathematics um, and science I was interested in. Um, I was always also interested in trains, so I'm, hopefully I will visit the Lithuanian narrow-gauge railway as well while I'm here. It yeah. is quite famous, because yes. not many are left in the world. No, mm-hmm. no. so it, I will hopefully visit that while I'm here. Um, but I have always earned all my living, all my, the money I've earned has been through music. Mm-hmm. So I have taught it and played it, conducted it, written about it. Yeah. Lectured about, yeah. So uh, all of the money I've earned has been through through music, mm-hmm. um, and I've enjoyed it all the time. So, yeah. and uh, did you know right away that music will be your career path, or that uh, because you were interested in other subject as well? Uh, what was the uh, tipping point that uh, your mind uh, told you 
Uh, I'm going to choose music and organ. I think when I got to the age of 18, when I was interested in quite a lot of things, in science and mathematics and music, I thought, which do I want to do? And I thought, it will be music. So that's when I decided, I was, when I became an undergraduate, I was going to concentrate on music. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's... that's if, if, you know, it's an interesting question, like from fantastical world. Yeah. If, you, if we had a second chance to live on this earth, yeah. would you choose music as... Oh, I think so. Yeah. It is also... Um, musicians are always friends with each other. We can, you and I, we met two days ago, we are friends and we can talk and we know, you know we can communicate with each other. Um, whereas we don't try and go to war and we don't try and fight one another or have arguments about politics we are musicians together mm-hmm. it is always the case yeah, in everywhere I've been in the world mm-hmm. musicians are always sympathetic to one another I think that's the thing. so I'm very pleased very proud to be a musician yeah. and especially organists although they are sort of lone wolf type of yes. people because they, they mostly play, play, yes. they play alone but yes. But still, the organ music in, in, the, in this instrument connects all of us, right? Yes. In one way or another, connects and transcends the boundaries of race, religion, religion. political Flat, affiliation, yes. everything, right? Yes. Uh, and you can, if, if you meet a person whose views are different, you can still talk about organ. Yes, <laughs> right? But absolutely, yes. yes. Yeah. He may say, my organ is better than yours oh, but, but it is, it's always friendly yes. talking about better what is uh, the best organ for you David? Oh, I don't know I, I is, cannot... it, is it easy to answer this no, question it's, it's impossible to answer that mm-hmm. question when I'm playing St John's organ here I think it is fantastic but when I'm in an English village church playing a well maintained small organ with five stops and one manual it is fantastic yeah it is great so, right yeah Right. As long as the organ is, has been looked after, mm-hmm. and um, then it is great to play. Yeah. In England, I hope the situation is different, but in Lithuania, um, many village organs are um, poorly, uh, poorly maintained yes. and neglected yeah. because although the churches are protected by the state as a cultural heritage, yes. organs do. Yeah. But uh, they still lack the finances and, the, and sometimes the mindset to, 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 yeah. to do the, the yes. work. Quality restoration, for example, the, the Catholic priests sometimes lack education yes. about the musical things yes. and the cultural too. things. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes I travel the, the country with organ demonstrations to demonstrate various old organs. Uh, to local people, you yeah. know, so that they would understand that there is so much more to the yes. organ than playing hymns, for yes. example, on one stop that yes. they usually hear on Sundays, and their eyes open after after hearing these demonstrations and, and different stops and combinations. It sounds like a symphony orchestra yeah. all of a sudden, even though it's poorly maintained and uh, out, even out of tune, right? Uh, and then the local priest would, would ask me, oh, you play the organ so well, can you repair this instrument for me <laughs> for a cheap price, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I always say, this is a very wrong uh, angle to, to yeah, you know, yeah. to, to be, to be in, 
to ask this question from the wrong perspective because you don't mess with historical materials that easily, right? Because it, you can easily destroy it yes. for, uh, and future generations will not be able to, to see what was originally. Yes. And you yes. Can yes. In, in England, there is a, yes, there is a, a lot of organs are not maintained properly and there are priests who are not interested in organs in the, the Church of England. Um, but there is money... I mean, the Holy Trinity Taunton, our organ was restored for £130,000. Um, I cannot work that into euro. That is, what, €150,000? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And a large part of that money was given by a trust set up by a waste firm, the firm which empties your... Um, refuse right, right. and they have a trust and they gave the money to restore our organ so it is you know, the money can be found yeah. it, all, be it all starts with a person probably yes, yes. in this waste company there was or uh, there is a, a person who was sort of sensitive to that matter right yes. to, to the to the cultural heritage and to the organ in particular yeah. and which had who had connection with the congregation probably right yes yeah, yeah, definitely, and uh, and was in charge of the company yes. in one way or another, yeah. and then and when the right time came, the opportunity presented yes, itself, yes. and they had yes, yeah. So it is yeah. So businessmen can t- sometimes play a big part in in, in restoration. The, they they do not have to pay tax on the money that they give for oh donation right. Yeah. Oh, you see, in Lithuania, the donation system is not, a philanthropic system is not set up properly that, that uh, you could uh, get tax exemptions. Yeah. Like in America, for example, or in England, mm-hmm. you can, right? Yeah. You donate for, to, cha- to charity and that portion of your money is not taxable. Not taxable. In Lithuania, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a system uh, a little bit less advanced, of, of course. Yes. Uh, portion of your taxable money, yeah. 2%, 2%, can go to charities yeah. or political parties. You can choose as a person, yes. for example, uh, when we pay taxes every yeah. month, every year, uh, we can, um, for example, say, I want my 2% of taxable income yes. uh, go to the organ of Vilnius University. Yes. Right? It's, it's possible we have this yeah, yeah, line in the budget. Um, or to this church, particular St. John's Church, yeah. uh, the parish, or for example, to some kindergarten, yeah, yeah. or yeah. to the school that your child goes, right? Yeah. And it's possible, but look, look it's 2% of the taxable, taxable income. Usually, usually it's only in euros, is, is like uh, 20 euros. Yes. It's really that, that many, yes. yeah. your, your yeah. annual yeah. 2%. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that yeah. twenty euros from one person, from yes. one individual. Yes. So that w- w- the changes in our uh, uh, legislation uh, system should be much more substantial, and yes. <laughs> people sh- donating uh, money for charity yes. should uh, be exempted from yes. taxes yes. from that portion. Yes. And then, then of course, uh, restoration projects, not only for organs mm, and but, but uh, for buildings, uh, paintings. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, be yeah. art much more easily yes. and uh, music festivals of course would be happy yes. right for that yeah. yes I mean music festivals in England have sponsorship from commercial companies and then they do not pay tax 
on the money on they cushion, yeah. of that money they give to the, to the um, festival. Yeah, yeah. of course. And, the, and they get advertising. Because in the festival program, exactly. it will say sponsored by such and such a company. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, uh, Seemingly, the state sort of loses the the money that this company donates, right? Yes. But it also raises the money from from another angle, from from cultural added value, yes. right? Because this per, your place, your downtown, right? For example, yeah. uh, for example, congregation can become cultural center yes. of activities, and not only a liturgical. Ceremonies would like masses, weddings, and uh, funerals would take place, but all kinds of cultural activities yes. just because of the organ. But it will attract people to come to the place and they pay money to eat in a mm-hmm. restaurant, exactly, and, so, and that generates money for the, for the government, yes. mm-hmm. so. e- exactly. And everybody is happy this yes. way, yes. yeah. Uh, let's hope for the f- in the future our Lithuanian politicians <laughs> will become yes. wiser yes. and uh, far-sighted too, yes. Yes. this way. Wonderful. So, um, David, what are your n- uh, next plans, uh, your next challenges? Do you set up goals for the next six months for yourself well, as an organist? Well, when September comes, um, choirs and bands in England who normally break during the summer months they will have a holiday we are back rehearsing again I have one choir um, in, in my choir in Taunton we are doing Haydn's creation performance of that at the end of November and then my choir, another choir we are doing a big Christmas concert Christmas around the world so perhaps we will sing a Lithuanian carol in our concert yes wonderful I can send you the music that would be very helpful Yes, that would be very helpful. Um, and then my band, we have a, a big concert coming up for Christmas as well. So, and then, of course, the church goes on week by week by week. Every Sunday you sing an anthem and you sing a setting of the liturgy. And you sing hymns and I play voluntaries. And so that just goes on and on and on and never stops. When I was an organist um, with my wife, Oshra, um, in, in America, yeah. uh, Lutheran Grace Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska when we were studying uh, for the doctoral program there at the University of Nebraska Lincoln Um, our uh, music director uh, um, asked us to find a Christmas carol from Lithuania and um, we did and they sang the choir sang in Lithuania Americans (laughs) sang in Lithuania and we uh, sort of taught them how to read because it's it's Actually, it's if you know Latin, it's yes. basically Latin system. Yes, basically it's Latin the subscripts of the superscripts. Subscripts and superscripts are additional yes. uh, characters which yes. sort of make sh sounds, sh, yeah. uh, yeah. those additional sounds, yes. uh, like ch sound, c, with a, c, um, with a s, s, uh, s, sh sound, and then. Uh, ZH sound uh, in English uh, system. Yes. We have, we have, uh, for example, Z yeah. with the uh, with the little bird <laughs> above yes. the letter. Yes. So that's Z. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, C with this bird above this letter is Ch. Yeah. Like yeah. Czech. Czech also have. Actually, we borrowed from Czech language. This yes. Well, if you send me a, a Lithuanian carol. 
I will see if I can work out how to say it and we, we, we can communicate and we will, right. we will sing it in my Christmas concert for carols around the world. A couple of years ago I played the Christmas carol improvisation concert here yeah. and uh, I selected about I think uh, 10 tunes, yeah. the most well-known tunes of, uh, around of, of international origin yes. and uh, I closed I think with, with the most famous Lithuanian tune yeah. um, and I played uh, transpositions of various in various keys yes. creating various verses in different colors yeah. many different registrations yeah. and uh, that was quite a, uh, quite an interesting project because people could hear uh, the tune yes. all the time yes. right and all those melodies are very yes. much familiar yes, yes. We, I mean we sing Stille Nacht Stille Nacht yes. I played that too yes, yes that of course everywhere in the world they sing Stille Nacht mm-hmm. but um I mean, Adeste Fidelis. Adeste Fidelis, yes. That, uh, yeah, that is another very common one. And we have Guking Wenceslas, which is a, right. a Swedish tune, um, but about King Wenceslas from, from uh, Prague. Right. So, yes, so uh, that is a... But it's still international very well uh, yeah, known. Yes. Yeah. The Czech composer... Um, Peter Eben, yes, uh, I know who, him. who died a few years Mrs. ago, yes. he created variations on this tune. Yes. Wenceslas. Yes, he wrote that for Chichester Cathedral in England, mm-hmm. um, uh, where I have heard it played on the organ in Chichester Cathedral. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was, uh, yeah. So, fantastic project, Christmas Around the World. Oh. And uh, uh, what organ pieces will you be Playing after you, you after <laughs> you come back to England, for yes. example, do you have any any? Uh, well, I need to play ideas. A, a voluntary every Sunday morning at the end of mass, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't really thought about that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I should play some of the things I have played. Of here, course, of course, repeat and because. Yes. If Lithuanians and tourists who played, who heard you play, enjoyed your concert very much, as we heard, yes. uh, no doubt your own congregation will enjoy yes. it too. Yes. Um, but when I get home, when we have finished, when we are, when we leave um, Riga, when I get home, I will plan out my music for the next, uh, mm-hmm. the next, um, to, to, to the end of the year, yeah. and then. But Christmas comes and it's a big rush. And then After uh, 40 years or more than 40 years yes. of um, playing the organ, uh, David, um, what's the most challenging thing for you today about it? <laughs> or, or are there any things? Well, that yes, playing this organ is a big challenge. Right. This one here, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is not the biggest organ I have played. There is an organ in Norway, in... Um, in, oh, I forgot where it is, but it has 67 stops, uh-huh. but it is all pneumatic action, so it is not heavy to play at all. Um, and the stops are not nearly as varied as this, they are mainly flutes and diapasons, so it is a bit tedious. Um, so, yeah, but th- th- this is a challenge because of the, the, the there are no registration needs at all, mm-hmm. so everything you have to that so that was a big challenge mm-hmm. playing that organ um, were the stops um, on the specification list that for example you knew in advance oh right? yes were they uh, similar to what you encountered here in reality oh yes I mean the names of organ stops are universal mm-hmm. yeah um, 
No, she didn't. You were, were not too surprised. Not right? too surprised. No, mm. not too surprised at all. Um, I mean, a vox celestis. We have a voix celeste. Mm -hmm. We would call that in, in England. Um, Violon, the string stops. They are, the names are the same. Mm -hmm. So, the only thing that you need to um, think about is how loud they are when you pull the, you know, compared with one, one the other stops. Will um, you be able to listen to the echo? Uh, we're playing here on the bench, and one one uh, ear of yours should listen to the echo, yes. right? It was Partic difficult. Particularly at, when you t finish a piece, mm -hmm. and then the sound... Or a section of the piece, piece right? Or a section of the piece, yes. And when you go to this, another manual, yes. you should sort of listen and uh, wait just a little bit. Well, you do. Yes, you just wait, yes. And you tend to play something slower than you would do in a very dry acoustic. Because you listen, right? Because you are listening to it, yes. Mm, people who play here for the first time without any experience no. on big organs no. and uh, with the, the, large the, the acoustics, they tend to rush here yes. and play just like in a practice room. Right? Yes, and yes. Oh yeah, we can play with many stops and uh, uh, presto. Yeah. Prestissimo, for example, yeah. and it's a mess, right? I know, just we are. Yeah. Right. We play Vidor's Toccata by just rolling the fingers about all the time. <laughs> right. Like that, yes. right. Yes. yes. You still need to turn on your listening you, you, know, you articulate more clearly here, I think, and take it slower, and then you listen to what you are hearing. Yeah. So, uh, going back in time, uh, uh, David, when you... Remember, what was the first organ that you played? What, that you played? The first organ was in the Baptist Church in South Harrow in England, uh -huh. which is where the church where my parents went. To, we went to church services there, and so I, that was the first organ I ever played. Uh -huh. And it was two manuals, um, and it was small, but it had pneumatic action. So it was. What? What? Um, um, what kind of um, uh, situation was there? Was it a mass or service or a concert? Or just a, your practice? Uh, I just practice it. I just right? practice it, yes. For your own pleasure, right? Yes. And then when I could play, I used to play for a service. Mm -hmm. um, a Baptist church would not have mass. It would just have, uh, it's like the Lutheran service. So, mm -hmm. so if this is your first organ, right, you probably even remember what time of the day it was, right? Um... Yes, I think it it was on a Sunday afternoon. Yes, yes. imagine yes. Sunday afternoon. afternoon. Yes, young David comes yes. to this church. He was thirteen, right? Yeah. Do you, you probably even remember the smell of the building, right? If it was a yes, there, was, there was there was no incense in the Baptist church, so we had no. There was no. But you know this wooden smell, oh, yes, old yes. wood. Yes. Um, and the lighting, uh, where the lighting, light, lighting came from? It was a very, uh, lots and lots of bright windows. In the, uh, there was, you know, there was no stained glass. How many years ago that was? Was that a long, long time long ago. ago? You still remember? <laughs> I can still right? remember. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So on that Sunday afternoon, uh, David, uh, how long? How how young were you? I, that's, I, I played my first role when I was thirteen. You were thirteen. Yeah. Uh, young David comes, uh, being thirteen. Years old to sit down on the certain bench and starts to play, right? Yes. Imagine, David, um, what would have been number one thing you wish you knew back then that would have helped you play better? 
when you remember it today? I no, I don't know. I cannot answer that. Yes. Or the hypothetical, yes. Yeah, but yes. Um, the, but when I started to play, and I had lessons from the church organist, um, the, the, the tutor was by John Stainer. The, the organ, it was called. Aha, uh-huh, I remember that. Yes, and you, you played exercises, and to play when you have learnt the piano, and I was quite a good pianist when I was 13. You have two staves, and the piano is right hand and left hand, but when you learn first exercises on the organ, left hand is the top stave, and the bottom stave is the feet. And Left hand is, is the middle, right? No, but you only have two oh. first exercises, two staves. Left is the top. The left is the top, oh and the bottom God. is the feet. And that's... That was a brain. Oh, that, I, I, it took me ages to, to be able to work that out. And then, of course, you have three staves, right hand, left hand. And right. In fact, that is easier. Um, you, don't want to, you have to stop wanting to play the bottom stave with the left hand. <laughs> Wonderful. But it's a good brain exercise. Yes, it is a brain exercise. You're, you're, you create new paths for new neurons, right? Yes. Yeah. Pathways. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I mean... Uh, My piano teacher sometimes made me play. You would have a simple hymn in the hymn book, but you would play hands like that. Cross, cross, cross. And you would play the right-hand stave with the left hand and the left-hand stave with the right hand. That is impossible. Well, I mean, you know, you could hear the brain... You know, there is a very interesting and simple exercise. You can take a four-part hymn, from yes. hymn setting from any hymnal, yes. and play a tune in any... Uh, voice. Uh, yes. You can play in the uh, right hand, yeah. in the left hand, or in the pedals. Yes. Playing on this on the top range, yes. for example, you could play with four foot uh, registration yeah, 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 yes. yeah. with your feet, yes. which is quite a challenge at first, right? Yes. Well, I mean, one of the things I learned when I began to learn the organ is to play the. You have four parts on a. It's from a hymn book. You play the right hand and plays the soprano line. And the left hand plays the alto and the tenor part, uh-huh. and the feet play the bass line. Mm-hmm. So that takes that's challenging takes enough too. Yes, and that mm-hmm. begins to, yeah. but that frees your right hand to play a solo passages yes. and in solo registration. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Uh, just like uh, the opposite version, when you take the soprano and the alto in the right hand playing. Uh, not hymn tune yeah. uh, but accompaniment and the tenor has the, the, the tune, tune yes, which you play uh, an octave lower yes. on the separate registration yes, yes. yes. right yeah. fantastic ideas I yes. hope people around the world will feel yes. inspired by that, that. The, the piece by Vaughan Williams the Rosie Medre prelude the first half has the tune as the accompaniment in the right hand and then the tenor the tune is in the tenor with mm-hmm. the left hand yeah. mm-hmm. so uh, Yes, so thank you so much, um, uh, David, for your time and your generosity. It's been a very great pleasure, Vidas, and it's been lovely meeting you. It's been lovely coming to Vilnius and great playing this fantastic organ. Thank you very much. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. 
and Vida Speak Characters. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you online really soon.